So we're exploring how Israel is saved. Paul is uh, now spending these next three chapters, chapters 9 through 11, to talk about Israel because he's explained to us, as I mentioned yesterday, this uh, glorious truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So then he is brought up with the question, then how come Israel is separated from the love of God? And he's pointing out, well, it isn't. Um, He's saying that he's very troubled about Israel. He bears them on his heart every day. He wishes he could be cursed for the sake of the salvation of Israel. What a thing to say. And... uh, um, then he says and explains, but it is not as the wor- as uh, it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, or it is not that the word of God has failed. God's word does not fail. That's important to understand. My word shall not return unto me void, says uh, the Old Testament scripture. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children of, uh, 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 nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Remember, Isaac, you see, was the the child of promise. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, they are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Now, some people stop here. They don't take uh, into account chapters 10 and 11, which is very, very important. You have to do that when understanding chapter 9. This is not a statement about who Israel is. That is, God has now moved to spiritual Israel because physical Israel he's rejected. That's what some Christian teachers and preachers and uh, believers uh, believe. Well, it's simply wrong, I'm sorry to say. It is very, very clear as you read the three chapters that that is not the interpretation. What Paul is saying here is not, this is who Israel is, but rather, this is how God works saving Israel. And you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, because of what follows, you see. For this is the word of the promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a a son. Well, how does that illustrate what Paul is saying, that uh, uh, not all uh, are Israel who are of Israel, but the children of the promise are? Well, he's quoting the promise, you see. The promise that Abraham would have a child was a promise. It was not a prediction as a result of sexual intercourse. It It was not a prediction of the normal process of living. It was to be the child that Abraham and Sarah were to have was to be a miracle child. That is why God had to come and visit Sarah with, within his Holy Spirit and uh, uh, give her that child. At this time, I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, Verse 11, for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election. Oh, election. You see, this is where people get off the rails and uh, start uh, spouting about God electing some and rejecting others, predestination of some being saved because God has predetermined that they shall be saved and some shall be and most shall be uh, lost uh, in hell because God has predetermined that. That is not only nonsense, it is demonic. It is contrary to Scripture because you will see as we go through these chapters that God has elected the whole world. 
He knew before the creation of the world that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that all humanity would fall away from his love and grace. And yet he predetermined that he would elect this planet. He predetermined and uh, that he would save them and call them. So what we're looking at here is how the process of election works. Let's follow it. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Now look at the verses there. Just carefully follow. Not having done any good or evil. That is to say, God elects people not based on whether they have been good people or whether they have been bad people, but according to his purpose. Now, his purpose, as I said, is not to elect some people and to reject others, but his purpose is to elect everyone. And what is the basis upon of his election? Not on whether they have done good or evil, but upon his purpose. And what is God's purpose? It is love. It is mercy. How do we know that? Because first of all, 1 John 4 verse 8 says God is love. And secondly, uh, among many other evidences, Romans 11.32 says God has imprisoned them uh, all, that is all the world, all humanity, under sin that he, that he might have mercy on all. So you see, God's purpose is to be merciful to everyone. So when you consider your own salvation and you wonder whether you can be saved because you've had a very dissolute life, you've, you've been into drugs, you've been into alcohol, you've been into illicit sex and all the rest of it, and you just feel utterly uh, smashed, how can you be saved? Well, remember this verse. For the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil before ever they did right or wrong, God chose in his love and in his mercy to elect them. And so your salvation is not based upon your performance, nor the quality of your life, or how much history you have of pure junk or pure purity. It's based upon God's purpose. That's Romans 11 uh, rather 9, Romans 9, sorry, verse 11. Let's read it in completion now. For the children not, having been, not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, not of works, you see, but of him who calls. Now notice this. There's election and then there's calling. God elects the whole planet, but he calls people at different times. All are elected and will be called in varying times of their lives or history. So once you recognize that, you begin to realize that when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, it was actually God calling you. You didn't go to him he came to you. 
And you may be listening to this program right now and are just curious about the Christian faith and have never given your heart to Christ. Well, let me tell you, God is calling you right now. He has elected you. If you refuse the call, he will send judgments of one thing or another. And when I say judgments, he will send the consequences of your actions because that's what God's judgments mostly are. He simply lets the dice roll and he lets our uh, stupid behavior continue until we're brought to shreds and then we're ready to hear his call. So you see, God may be calling you right now and you can say, Lord God, I hear your call and I want to thank you for calling me and I thank you that Jesus is my Savior and I receive him and I ask you for mercy. Thank you, Lord, for giving it to me. This is how it works, do you see? And notice this in this verse also, for the children not yet being born. All of this is taking place, this election, this choosing of you, and uh, uh, before you were ever born, before even the creation of the world. The call takes place in history. It takes place in the time of your life, perhaps. But the election, the choice by God to rescue you and save you was made before ever the world was created. And so before, let's read uh, 11 and 12 again, uh, 12 now to get the connection, uh, rather 11 to get the connection with 12. For the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him who calls it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Now, you see, this is talking about the firstborn. Uh, Israel thought, uh, uh, le legitimately so, that all the blessings would come through the firstborn. But God wasn't going to be tied to that. He would sometimes call the lastborn to be the firstborn. You remember that D King David, the king of Israel, was the First, the last born of, was it 19 children, I think? I mean, incredible. The last born. Because the first born means the preeminent. And so sometimes, even though we're last, we can be preeminent because Christ is our preeminence. Jesus said, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. Many Christians who have belonged to church and gone to church all their lives are never really converted. And at the end of their days, the Lord calls them and they're converted. And many who have never gone to church all their lives, and then they go to church one day and they're converted and the last shall be first. And so, so on it goes. And so, you see, we look at this from the way God is working to bring people to himself. This issue is not about national Israel. It is about the call of each Israelite by, uh, by God's grace, his call, which follows on from his having elected them. And this, of course, applies to all of us, because all of us in the world, because Israel represents, is a type of all that will come, 
as he elects Israel and then calls them one by one, so he elects the world and calls it one by one. Well, sometimes it'll be a mass calling, and uh, that will depend upon then when the judgments uh, come upon the world and the world is brought to its knees in staggering shock that God is God after all, and God's glory is revealed in his face, and all the earth fled away, heaven and earth. What does that mean? I don't really know, except it is an incredibly cataclysmic event when the world sees the face of God and is turned on a dime. Now, you see, you and I need to be aware of all of this in regard to conversion and being born again. It is not a human thing. It is a miracle of God. It will take place in the most unexpected circumstances, at the most unexpected times, and in the most curious and odd kinds of ways. Have you a relative who's a drug addict, or who's besotted by alcohol and just cannot get out of it? Don't be anxious. Lift up your heart before God and say, Father, I thank you that you are taking my son or daughter or relative or loved one through the terrible situations that he or she is going through in order to bring him or her to call upon you for mercy. God is able to do it, and he will. You know, in the light of what I've just said, by the way, hello, this is Colin Cook and how it happens, uh, this broadcast you're listening to. But in the light of what I just said, God is able to do it and he will. Um, How we need to remember that, because so often our prayers become anxious for our loved ones and they become so anxious that we kind of are conveying a message to God that we care more about our loved ones than he does. But when we realize that God is electing people and calls them at certain crucial points in their lives, then we, we begin to pray in a more peaceful, calm, and yet uh, believing way. And we say, thank you, Lord. I know you're going to do it. You're going to take them through. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.